0: Welcome to the Two Minute Time Lord podcast. I am Chip and today it's a time dilation episode in which Two minutes stretches out into eternity, or actually just for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, give or take a bit, as we have a really interesting conversation, not about who the next doctor is going to be, that's going to be revealed on BBC America and The Mothership at 2pm Eastern Daylight Time in the US and 7pm British Time, which means, let me hasten to add, this is one more example of Americans getting something before the British. We get to find out who the next Doctor is five full hours before people do in Britain. I, I, I'm I, just full of myself right now. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something else that Doctor Who fans argue about an awful lot. What is canon and what is canonical Doctor Who? Some fans care a lot about this question. of All of the stories that have been told on television, in print on big Finish audios. Which stories matter and which ones don't? Would you believe that that's actually a religious question? And I'm not talking about the fandom wars that are as bad as religious wars. I'm talking about canon being a subject that comes straight to us from religion. So what better way to talk about Doctor Who canon than to involve a friend of mine who is equal parts mad lunatic Doctor Who fan and accomplished and respected religious scholar. Mark Goodacre is professor of religion at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, and his specialty is New Testament history and Christian origins and things like that. This conversation is totally about Doctor Who. We're not going to be proselytizing for anyone except for how great Doctor Who is. But if you'd like to have a little bit of an insight into the meaning of canon and what kinds of arguments we're really having when we're talking about real Doctor Who. Sit back; I think you'll enjoy this one. Again, this is the two-minute time lord podcast, time dilation style. I wanted to come to you because you are an expert in this uh, in this thing that Doctor Who fans have such long and drawn out and bloody arguments over, almost literally bloody, uh, this thing called canon. Um, and I wanted to start off, uh, if it's all right with you, um, I will tell you what I think of or what Dr. Who fans seem to think of when we have arguments over what, what is canon mm-hmm. in Dr. Who. And you can tell me if this makes any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, um, When Doctor Who fans think about canon, they think about all the stories that have been told about Doctor Who over 50 years, all the TV shows, uh, the novels, the New Adventures novels, the Missing Adventures novels, the Eighth Doctor and Past Doctor novels, Big Finish, that's a big thing, um, and the new series, and even um, things like Dimensions in Time and Time (laughs) Crash, and they have huge arguments over what is canon. And that seems to be about... um, what counts and what doesn't count what's real Doctor Who, and what is not so um, is, is that when I'm a, if I'm a Doctor Who fan and i 'm talking with you and I 'm saying you know well that's not canon, is it <laughs> First of all, am I getting the sort of the personal uh, definition the fan definition of canon right, and second of all, is that really canon
1: <laughs> Well, on well, one level it's kind of absurd that Doctor Who fans are using a term that's derived from the discussion of religion. I mean, lots of Doctor Who fans couldn't care less about religion and are interested in it at all, despite the fact that the hero has got Lord, you know, next to him. Yeah, right, day, and he's the lonely you know. God. Right, it's right. Yeah. So,
0: but, 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 yeah, canon's a religious term.
1: But it's a religious term. I mean, the term is actually derived from early Christian usage. You go right back to the beginning of the millennium, Um, right back to the 1st and 2nd centuries, the term canon just means something like rule, measuring rod, something like that. And the early Christians decided that they wanted to have certain ideas of what constitutes authoritative scripture and what doesn't. But as soon as you've said what's in and what's out, you've begun a debate. And the funny thing about Doctor Who fandom is that they talk about canon as if it's this absolutely rigid category with very firm boundaries it's very clear what's in and what's out but when you actually look at the way that the early christians use the term canon it's fluid it's varied it's really difficult to get a focus on it so i think the term canon is it is one that we use Probably quite ignorantly a lot of the time, not wanting to kind of be mean about Doctor Who fans and one myself, but we use it in quite an ignorant way a lot of the time, and we don't really think critically about what we mean by it. We sort of all assume we know we're talking about the sort of, well, of same course. thing. You know, Mark, Mark,
0: Mark, canon is canon. Yeah. <laughs> it's real Doctor Who, or it's not right. real Doctor Who. <laughs> It's just that it's it's just that simple,
1: right? And that well there's the thing isn't it because the fuzzy lines between real Doctor Who and not real Doctor Who are just as fuzzy as the lines when you do the historical study of Christianity or for that matter Judaism or Islam or any of these other things where the lines are not clearly demarcated they're fuzzy and they're, and it's actually quite difficult to get to exactly what is canonical and what's not what's authoritative and what's not.
0: Okay, so when we're fans talking about Doctor Who, we're talking about authoritative, authoritative Doctor Who, where it's what's real and what's not. What do fans genuinely
1: cling to when they're deciding? Well, the most obvious thing, obviously, I think, is, is it on the TV? Is it on BBC TV? If it's on TV, part of the main show, it's canon. And I think we've got a core there. You've got an absolute core there of what is actual canon. But if you then ask the question, why is that canon? Then we start saying things like, well, because it comes from the BBC. But then you start saying, but lots of stuff comes from the BBC. And there's a really interesting analogy there to be had between the BBC and the early church. Because if you ask the question, what constitutes scripture? What constitutes early Christian canonical scripture? Well, it's what the church decided. But then the church, just like the BBC, isn't one homogenous entity with elected representatives it's a great sprawling mass of different people at different times and all the rest of it so even if you ask what's what's the role played by the authoritative bbc or the authoritative church <laughs> you're not um you're not clarifying the discussion any because both of those entities are large sprawling massive strange entities
0: I, I, I love thinking about this because it makes me think of Stephen, Mo- Stephen Moffat, Russell T. Davies, John Nathan Turner, Michael Grade even, mm-hmm. <laughs> all as people wearing funny hats mm-hmm. and robes and deciding <laughs> deciding what's in, what's out, or in Grade's case, you know, the whole thing's rubbish and you're out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, let, me, let me grab an example out of Doctor Who history. Um, the Doctor is half human. Mm-hmm a BBC co-produced mm-hmm. television movie mm-hmm. said so mm-hmm. right there on mm-hmm. the screen. Mm-hmm.
1: That's canon. Mm-hmm. He's half human, right? Right. And, 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 and there you have one, one of, one of the things that causes all sorts of problems within the study of religious canon as well. Dr. Who fans often talk about canon as if the key thing is continuity and one thing being able to be correlated with another. in fact, Within religious scriptures, you find, as long as you're not a fundamentalist, and I apologise to any fundamentalist listening, whether Doctor Who fundamentalists or Christian fundamentalists or whatever other kind of fundamentalist, but you have within canons all sorts of different emphases, contradictions and strange things going on. And Doctor Who fans often talk as if, The canon is the thing which has all the continuity. The canon is the thing where everyone's agreed. And the non-canonical stuff, the stuff outside of that, is the different stuff. But the example you give there beautifully illustrates the problem of seeing a correlation between canon and continuity. Because the Paul McGann movie famously has that line which lots of us will quite happily... Erase. <laughs> erased from, from, from canon. But it's there. And then we're left for the next sort of 20 years or so trying to work out what we do with it. And that's just the same as it is with early Christian texts and so on. You get certain things in certain texts where the later church starts feeling uncomfortable with them. Thinks, oh gosh, I wish I wasn't there. And it tries hard to find ways of explaining it away or in non-canonical texts to explain it away. Such that sometimes the biggest continuity stuff is in the non-canonical stuff, it's in the extra stuff and you can see it in the Doctor Who world you can see Big Finish for example trying to grapple with all the discontinuity all the continuity errors that the original series throws up and, and kind of explaining them and pouring into the gaps in that material just the same in early Christianity
0: so uh, when Ian Levine is helping to introduce uh uh, material in I believe it was attack of the Cybermen mm-hmm. uh where we have uh attempts to say which is the homeworld Telos or Mondas mm-hmm. and all these all, all these other things you know um, continuity and canon are so intertwined in Doctor Who fans mm-hmm. uh is there sort of an equivalent in um like in uh religious communities as uh, trying to trying to stitch together a canon there?
1: Absolutely. And and one of the things that religious figures have always done is they've looked to find ways of harmonizing discrepant texts. So lots of the material, which is non-scriptural, non-canonical, has been written by people trying to explain why there are discontinuities, why there are problems in the original text. But there's a further analogy here, which I think is quite good fun to think about. The great thing about Doctor Who, because it ...takes place in a universe that keeps changing... Mm-hmm. ...keeps re- constantly getting rewritten... ...exactly, rebooting itself and so on... ...you can have glaring continuity problems... ...because, you know, when... ...the time war, does that rewrite absolutely everything? The rebooting of the universe in uh, in the Matt Smith era... ...does that rewrite everything again? You've got the same thing, actually, in lots of religious texts... ...because if you have a, an apocalyptic worldview... ...a worldview where, basically, God is sovereign... God decides what he wants to do. He can rewrite history at any minute and constantly does so and keeps changing the rules as things go on. It's a nice analogy for the way that Doctor Who often changes the straightforward linear time of the space-time continuum. So the thing is, time isn't linear either in the Doctor Who universe, as we all know, we've heard about timey-wimey and all the rest of it, but it's also not linear in the Christian universe. Because the nature of that, that sort of apocalyptic world, that God being sovereign, deciding to do whatever the heck he wants to do, will keep on changing things, rebooting things, and reworking things the whole time.
0: So who it sounds to me like there's a big difference here in um, who decides canon mm-hmm. between the Doctor Who fandom. And first of all, let me back up for a second. Is there anybody else on the planet who actually has these kinds of arguments about what canon <laughs> is? That's a,
1: that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't
0: think, think Do- I, I think Doctor Who fans are a little. Mm-hmm. Unique in that respect.
1: I think we are too. I, and I, I, think, I think we tie ourselves in knots, sometimes unnecessarily. I mean, I, I tend to use the analogy in my teaching, the clearest analogies, to go back to the Sherlock Holmes novels. And I think this is where the term canon was probably first introduced. I mean, others can correct me if I'm wrong, but first introduced into the discussion of something outside of the Bible and biblical text. And there was always this thought of, well, there's all this Sherlock Holmes stuff, Not all of it's written by Conan Doyle. Therefore, there's canonical Holmes and there's non-canonical Holmes. And the canonical Holmes is written by Conan Doyle. Our problem is that we haven't got one author. We've got dozens of authors, decades worth of history. And that makes it much, much harder to pin down the idea of canon in the Doctor Who universe than than we've got, say, in Sherlock Holmes. But I think another example would be uh, Buffy, for example. I mean, it's an interesting case, isn't there, with the Buffy series, which I'm, I'm a fan of, where the comics continue the story after season seven of Buffy. And Joss Whedon basically said, OK, these are it. These are canon. These are the legitimate continu- you know, co- continuation of the series. And so there we have some element of it as well. But it's a bit more clear cut than it is in the Doctor Who universe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because with Doctor Who, I mean, we had something analogous to that in the early 90s with the new adventures you know where John Nathan Turner basically says but like Joss Whedon said with Buffy we're going on this is this is canon this is you know the continuation the, the, the official continuation of of Doctor Who
0: um, let's let's actually play with that a little bit because i'd say a lot of doctor who fans consider the new adventures canon mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I, I like the, I like the fact that Dr. Who fans and other fans use the word Canon instead of canonical, you know, mm-hmm. Canon, mm-hmm. Canon, Canon is a noun, but now it's of an adjective as well. Right. right. But, um, the new adventure novels, um, continued the Cartmel master plan, mm-hmm. uh, which we, which I discussed with Andrew Cartmel in a recent, uh, to MTL. But, uh, continuing with the notion that the doctor was the other, was a contemporary of uh, Rassilon and Omega Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then got rebooted. So, uh, so a lot of the threads that were, um, that were displayed in episodes like remembrance of the Daleks and battlefield, um, were actually tackled Mm -hmm. in these novels, Mm -hmm. uh, Gallifreyans coming from looms and all that other thing, Mm -hmm. uh, all that other stuff. However, when the new series contradicted mm-hmm. these novels, um, there was a lot of there, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of turmoil mm-hmm. among the fandom mm-hmm. who can't stand. It's, it's not just the um, idea of the Doctor having sexuality mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just this is what Doctor Who was, mm-hmm. and now we're doing television shows that don't reflect that anymore. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of uh, is there any kind of corollary to that with um, notions of what what canon really means in mm. the real world
1: of uh, yeah. churches and things? Well, the, the, one of the problems you've got again, and I, I always think that the Doctor Universe is far more complicated than any other kind of universe <laughs> you might come up with, because you've got these genre differences. And when you're dealing with early Christian text, you are always dealing with text. There might be letters, there might be gospels, there might be apocalypses. But at the end of the day, they're bits of writing on a page. We haven't got the thing of one genre, which is TV, another genre, which is novels, another genre, which is uh, audio plays and so on. So that kind of complicates things a little bit because the genre itself, I mean, like, so the novel... Encourages you, encourages you to do certain things that you wouldn't do on, on the TV. You can actually see inside the character's head much more. You can hear thoughts much more than you can, you know, on, on the TV. Usually we don't often get to hear the doctors in a monologue and that sort of thing. So that kind of makes things a little bit um, tough. But you do have the same thing in that... I'll give you one example from early Christianity, which is that there was one genre in particular that early Christians loved after you begin to get the New Testament crystallising as a set group of texts. They love depicting dialogues between Jesus and his disciples after his resurrection. The reason they love doing that is that that was kind of uncharted territory, you know, you're not saying, "Oh, it, this this happened when Jesus was in Nazareth in the synagogue in AD 29." You're saying, "Oh, this was just a private conversation between Jesus and Mary Magdalene that nobody knew about until I told you about it just now." And the reason they would do that is that no one could contradict them. If you said, "Oh, I'm reporting to you here this private conversation that Jesus had after his resurrection with somebody else," no one can sort of say, "No, you didn't," because they go, "Yeah, you did. It, it was private. It was secret." You know, so you do have this sort of interesting moving in and out of uh, different genres which we always cause messiness and complexity and the thing is, I think in general one of my feelings about this whole discussion of canon is we shouldn't shy away from complexity and fuzziness and, and not being sure I think we should resist the inner fundamentalist that wants to say this is in and this is out and sometimes say, hey, you know maybe we should include this for the purposes of discussion in our own idea of what mm. canon is, you know.
0: that's That sounds an awful lot like uh, something that Paul Cornell wrote about a few yes. years ago.
1: Yes, it, I would recommend to all the listeners of 2MTL, if they've not read it already, there's a great essay, I would say classic blog post by Paul Cornell, um, I'm guessing it's about 2007-ish, um, in which he almost puts down this as a, as a sort of mantra, you know, kind of, There is no such thing as canon within the Doctor Who world. Now, I wouldn't want to go that far because I like the idea that there are certain things which have a special authority. But at the same time, Paul's brilliant on this because he's basically saying, if we tie ourselves up in knots about what's in and what's out, we end up disparaging huge amounts of content just because we have some spurious idea of whether they're in or out.
0: We've decided that they don't matter anymore, right. and they can never benefit anybody else who reads them ever again.
1: Well, one of, one of the best examples, and I think Paul mentions this in his essay, is, is the Peter Cushing movies. Now, people like me that grew up in England in the 1970s, quite often that was the only Doctor Who that you could get other than the current series that was running, because we didn't have repeats. You know, as we know, if we'd had more repeats, we wouldn't have so many lost episodes. But those movies, I mean, I remember them running often when I was a kid. Like, you know, in, on a Saturday morning, you would catch Peter Cushing, Doctor Who and the Daleks. For us, that was almost more real as Doctor Who than Doctor Who, because we were so familiar with it even more of, because we had people like Roy Castle in it and Bernard Cribbins in, in them, that we knew from other areas of, of life, like Bernard Cribbins doing the Wombles and so on. But, but, the, but the thing is, that, if you'd have said to me as a kid that that's not real Doctor Who, I would say, well, you're crazy, it's called Doctor Who. He's it's got, got,
0: tardis, it's got tardis tardis, and yeah. it. What,
1: what more do you want? Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I think that's one of the things that, that is sad is, is, is about the, the bad side. Uh, this, this is one of the, the bad things about people getting obsessed with canon. We sort of marginalise things that we should be celebrating, and I think we should absolutely celebrate the Cushing, Doctor Who's, for example. And we're, we're seeing some some movement towards that now. I think people are beginning, and, and I think. You know, there were lots of us... When we when we saw Doctor Who started again in 2005, first thing I thought when we went into the TARDIS, Peter Cushing's TARDIS. You know, we can see the inside doors of the TARDIS just as we could in the 60s, Cushing TARDIS. And I suspect that's because people like Russell T. Davis... kind of my kind of age and that they're sort of, you know, knackered, you know, middle-aged men that can remember this stuff from their childhood and they want to recreate it into it. But so they're not bothered about, you know, these kind of spurious, canonical, hard line boundaries. And I think we should be wary about them, too.
0: So with all of the risks of, uh, you know, with with all of the downsides of Mm -hmm. canon, why do we as fans care so much about
1: it? I think part of it is just our love for the show, isn't it? And when you love a show, you do want to start saying, OK, well, is this real Doctor Who or isn't it? And I think, you see, I, I want to hold on to the idea of, of canon in some sense. I, I want to kind of get, get, get some sort of idea that there are certain things which are Doctor Who, real Doctor Who, and certain things that aren't. Some of the kind of fan fiction stuff that you might watch on YouTube or so on, They're thoroughly enjoyable, they're great fun, but there's no sense in which they're real Doctor Who. No sense in which future generations will say, "Okay, now let's kind of knuckle down and study Doctor Who. We're not going to be looking at that sort of stuff. The difficulty, I suppose, is is the stuff in that sort of uh, very huge middle. The stuff in between, stuff that no one denies is real Doctor Who, like the stuff that's on TV, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, whatever... And all the sort of very obviously sort of fan fiction It's that huge stuff in the middle, which is the which is the which is the uh, dubious area, but the reason we keep talking about that, I think is because we kind of love the show so much, mm-hmm. and you know I mean lots of us when we listen to big Finish, we want that we want to welcome that into our conception of what dr Who is
0: you know I, I might push back with you a little bit on uh, on an aspect of that because. Uh, some of the things in the middle, uh, mm-hmm. in, in that middle space on um, Canon or not are things like the B, the BBV videos, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. downtime and things like that, which were, uh, adapted into, uh, novels, uh, which, you know, the name Kate Lethbridge Stewart mm-hmm. came from these sort of, mm-hmm. actually it, the word apocryphal is mm-hmm. actually a, a, a good analogy, Right. um, some of our listeners who aren't familiar with different branches and denominations of Christianity, there are different Bibles right. with different books that are right. included or not included, depending right. on which tradition you come right, from. Absolutely. So some of this fan material, mm. I, I saw some good fan video at Timegate uh, presenting an alternative, alternative doctor, the so-called forgotten doctor mm, yeah. after, uh, the eighth doctor. Um, some of that stuff, depending on who it's connected to, and how it plays out over mm-hmm. years may
1: become part of the canon mm-hmm. over time, wouldn't you say? That's one of the glorious things about the whole discussion, though, isn't it? That as time goes on, apocryphal texts can somehow take on a canonical um, reality. I mean, you know, let's, let's kind of um, keep this grounded as well in early Christianity. Let's, uh, most people won't know that the first Bible that we have, the first full Greek Bible bound between two covers— it's called Codex Sinaiticus. Dates from the fourth century. Apologise to Doctor Who fans that don't want too much actual uh, detail, but that first Greek Bible it contains a text called the Shepherd of Hermas, which you will not find in any contemporary Bible. You go into Barnes and Noble, you will not find a Bible that's got the Shepherd of Hermas in it. But the first extant Greek Christian Bible we have has that text in there, and. That's just like a really good reminder that what is canon for us isn't always canon for people in the past. And that's why I think it's useful for us to be reminded in the, uh, in the discussion of Doctor Who that what we might think of as being cut and fast canon isn't going to be for other people. And I like that fuzziness. And one of those things about that fuzziness is that little details will find their way ultimately into public consciousness. I mean, you can think about it in terms as well of characters in popular tradition. Let's think of the three wise men that come to visit Jesus at his birth. Well, there aren't three wise men in in Matthew's gospel. There's a group of people called Magi. We don't know you know, who they were, where they came from. We certainly don't know what their names are, but tradition supplies the names. And if you watch a Jesus film, they've got the names that tradition supplies. The apocryphal stuff makes its way into the text. Veronica, on the road to Calvary, the woman who, who, who basically gives a cloth to Jesus to wipe his face with. Very important part of the kind of Catholic tradition, not in the Bible She's an apocryphal person who's found her way into that. And people now remember her more than they do. Lots of people that actually occur in the text. And I think that's the fun thing about your Kate Lethbridge-Stewart example. Someone that emerges from something that everybody would call a kind of a non-canonical, apocryphal sort of bit of Doctor Who, finds her way into the mainstream canon. And that's then exciting, because then we say, well, what do we then make of the the thing she comes from? That's fun. I like that kind of uh, side of things. And... To be honest, it reminds us that the whole discussion, in a way, is a bit of a game. It's a game amongst people who love something. And the the discussion of canon is an expression of our love for the show, I think.
0: I've got a love-hate relationship with the Mm -hmm. uh, concept of canon um, and and Doctor Who. um, Because I see all of the contradictions. For me, it's off a piece of the the unit dating controversy. Mm -hmm. And whereas some people uh, either... Do their damnedest to try to square that circle, and others decide that no, the unit stories happened in the seventies. No, the unit stories happened <laughs> in the eighties. You know, it's very clear. And uh, and this was one of my earliest podcasts where I, you know, I made the when I when I hear the unit when I hear a specific date in Doctor Who, I hear in my head the uh, Miss Othmar song sound from Peanuts cartoons <laughs> going <laughs> over <laughs> that. It just it just sort of washes over me. Um, it seems irrelevant, but I do, I suppose if I confess to it, have something of a personal canon, mm-hmm. the stories that matter the most to me, that make the most sense to me. Lung Barrow is not in my personal canon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the an, an, unearthly child in which Susan is introduced as the doctor's real live granddaughter is, mm-hmm. um, is there such a thing as a personal canon, though? If we wanted to be really particular about using this word canon as Doctor Who fans always do, is there such a thing as personal I canon? I think that's
1: a great question, actually. And, and one of the things I'm struck about a lot of contemporary religious people is that they will talk about my Bible, for example. They won't talk about the Bible. to what talk about my Bible. It becomes a personal thing. It's their own thing with their own bound between leather covers and they've got their own highlighting pens and, all, and, and the rest we're a bit like that we actually have our own personal account. I think that's an excellent uh, point I, I, I would say for me I although I enjoyed Dimensions in Time at the time because they're you know well for a start you're a freak yeah <laughs> 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 well I think the thing is it was exciting because suddenly there was Doctor Who on our screens in some form I know in retrospect it's easy to, to you know to sort of diss that thing but on some level we'd actually got Doctor Who on our, on our screens again But I don't really like the idea that's part of canon. I find that kind of um, troubling to think that that actually sort of took place. And what's more, you know... um the fact that what was it is in it army of ghosts where they actually they are uh, they're actually depicted watching eastenders i feel that that actually nicely contradicts the idea of dimensions in time where the doctor's in eastenders so we can go okay we can and that's a kind EastEnders of eastenders is no longer canonical right, yes that's right yeah so that's one of those things where we've talked about a retrospective thing where things become canonical that's a thing where through the later series something becomes non-canonical but um Yes, I can't remember where this, where this was. Where this was uh, oh, personal canon, yeah. No, I think that's right. And, and what might be quite nice is if we were a bit more honest about that as well. And if we would say that a lot of these discussions about what's canon and what's not actually boils down to what I like and what I don't. You Because know, you'll sometimes hear fans saying, well, I wish this wasn't canon because there's an episode they don't like, which translates as canon is good stuff. Non-canonical stuff is bad stuff, you know?
0: <laughs> is there a, uh, is, is there a um, religious history uh, equivalent to that,
1: of a canon being what I like and don't like? I, I, I absolutely very much so. In fact, one of the first most famous Christian heretics was a chap called Marcion, who basically decided that he was going to create his own canon. And his canon was he liked the letters of Paul and he liked Luke's Gospel. And even then he had to take the bits... That he didn't like out of Luke's gospel. So he had his own personal canon. And that was regarded as a heresy by lots of early Christians because they said, Well, you can't pick and choose which bits you, you know, which bits you want and which bits you don't want. You've got to have the whole, you know, the whole thing that we decide, you know, is the thing. But but the other side I suppose to all that is that we sometimes think, I mean, if you're familiar with like popular discussions of religion and popular discussions of early Christianity, you sometimes get the impression, it's sort of the Dan Brown type of world, that there was a kind of a mean, nasty council with big hats that all sat down and decided, this is in and this is out, and we'll burn all the stuff that didn't get into the canon and perhaps burn some of the authors of those books as well, if we possibly could. And actually, although the little elements of truth in that, it's, it's really such an appalling caricature that it's, it isn't really terribly helpful. And the truth about canon is, and this is true, I think, in other religions as well, though I'm not experts on those. But the truth about canon is, canon emerges by consensus. It emerges by the people who consume the texts deciding what they regard as authoritative text, what they regard as, in, in the Christian sense, as scripture. And the analogy there with uh, Doctor Who is ultimately it's a question of consensus. It's a question of what we have decided actually counts. That's why the debate is so interesting because we think it matters about what actually counts and what actually doesn't count.
0: Do we as Doctor Who fans really get to decide that or is it decided by the showrunner at any given time? Well the-
1: The great thing I think about um, people like Russell T. Davis and uh, Stephen Moffat and then those before him, before them, you know, previous showrunners, is they don't actually tend to pronounce on what counts and what doesn't count. They they probably care less about it than most of the fans. they probably do. And, and, I I mean, and also it's a sign of people's love of their versions of Doctor Who, that they want to remake them in comic format or do, you know, other versions of, of the same things and so on. So... Um, I think the lack of pronouncements from, say, the powers that be is an excellent thing, and and I think you know maybe we we've got it about right in Doctor Who fandom in that it's the it's the fans who decide, it's the fans who 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 as a consensus work out what they think is coming. That's about right. That's about how it should be. And there is an analogy there with the early church. The big difference, of course, and this is why. We get ourselves so tied into knots. In the early church, there was a question of antiquity. What they would often say when they discuss which books count as scripture and which don't, it was the oldest ones that counted, right? And we don't quite have that same analogy because Doctor Who's still being made. So we've got parallel running to one another, obviously official stuff, like, you know, Matt Smith, Doctor Who, Stephen Moffat, blah, blah, blah. And we've also got the fan stuff running alongside it. They didn't really have that quite same analogy in the early church. That's where it does sort of break down.
0: Is this notion of canon a good thing or a bad thing? When it comes right down to fans, obsessive fans, Mm -hmm. because casual viewers (laughs) don't give a care Mm -hmm. about canon Mm -hmm. and, and casual viewers don't have these conversations. (laughs) Um, Is Are these conversations about canon and what matters and what is real Doctor Who helpful or harmful to um, the experience of the show?
1: I think that's a great question, actually. And and it's it's good to be reminded of the so-called casual fan because they all would be utterly baffled by this discussion. Mm -hmm. I know in my teaching when I'm talking about canon in early Christianity and, and I say, is anyone familiar with the use of canon in other contexts, like maybe Doctor Who or Star Trek or they look at me you know as if to say who is this guy what, (laughs) what, what is that so so i think the thing is my feeling is if it's leading to enjoyable intellectual exchange which on some level helps us to appreciate doctor who in all its facets more great if we're giving ourselves an ulcer in discussing it perhaps best to just ease off a little bit
0: Mark is one of the first friends that I made through podcasting, and I'm proud to say that I played a small part in inspiring him to create his own podcast that he does more or less with the academic year called The N.T. Pod, if you're interested in New Testament history. If you're not interested in New Testament history, then perhaps you're interested in who the next doctor is. We'll find out on Sunday, and we'll talk about it soon on the Two Minute Time Lord podcast. I'm Chip. Thank you for listening. Find me on Twitter and Facebook. Look for numeral Two Minute Time Lord. I'm at twaminutetimelord.com and, of course, on the ubiquitous iTunes. Take care.